Good morning. If you're seeing or hearing this, it means you're watching this on the public podcast feed, which means that this episode came out about five months ago. Today's episode is with my friend Lindsay, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about homeownership in France and the uh, joys and nightmares of it, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Lindsay's an amazing friend, and it's a great conversation. If you'd like to catch up on the entire second season, it is available now in its entirety to my patrons on the members only feed. So hop on over and get caught up there if you'd like to. Otherwise, enjoy season two as it rolls out over the next few months. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking about my road to citizenship on the other side. Lots of updates going on on the season three members only feed right now. But uh, yeah, you'll get caught up to it in no time and uh, enjoy the show. And then what we gotta do is... It's really, it's a really good, it's a really nice little setup. By popular demand, uh, I have Lindsay Chamuda here with me this morning. Literally by popular demand, there was a vote on Patreon and she was uh, requested to be the first guest on this second season. It's quite, a, quite a mood booster to, to see that. <laughs> Just like a cup of coffee in the morning, right? Right, right, right. It's super popular. Um, and, but unfortunately, I don't think that, that we ended up sourcing any questions from them. Uh, everybody just said that they Everyone's love you. on vacation. No, but they love you. They left comments. Like, honestly, Dixie, Dixie, we were talking about a minute ago, said, honestly, I can't think of any questions, but I vote Lindsay because I would listen to her talk about anything. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. That's that's really lovely to hear. Yeah, so there you go. Especially but, in, a, in a week where you're, I've just been going nonstop between sweating and wondering how I'm going to survive ongoing heat waves and feeling like I'm just going to become more and more useless and therefore have less to say because all I'll be talking about is the heat. I feel that. Let's not stop there because Judy said <laughs> she appears to be kind and caring and quite knowledgeable about current events. Oh, yes. I'm perhaps too knowledgeable to my own demise. I've been trying to get her off Twitter. <laughs> no, no. I've taken it off my phone. Oh, good for you. Okay. So, well, here's a secret. Mm-hmm. It's not a secret. You're I never del- on your phone anyways. <laughs> no, I had it on my phone. No, yeah. no, no. I deleted it from the home page. Uh, yeah. So I have to take extra steps to open it, but it does help curb my scrolling. It's good. So it was like a baby step. Yeah. Because I'm not fully ready to just use it on web. That that's I should do that to be honest, because I I've done the same thing with Twitter and Instagram, but I've found that I'm just really quick at finding them again. Like you get you yeah. get used to it where they are. You but know? you know my my instinct isn't to say, oh, I have a free moment. Let me just, you know, open Twitter and see what people are saying because it invariably makes me feel like garbage. So, so I was like, let's put a little buffer in, in here. Yeah, Twitter is not good for the blood pressure or but the it, soul. But it's really, you know, like Instagram does other, like other summons damage. other, yeah, other damage and summons other emotions. I avoid, so. I, I do, I, well, I, I just don't like Instagram for so many reasons anyways. Twitter I find to be at least informative and entertaining, partially because they actually show me who I'm following. Um, like, oh, yeah. Partially because I, I think I just, I think there's just a lot more interesting stuff that's put out there where Instagram is like this. It's both um, aspirational, but also like just the classic keeping up with the Jones type stuff where there's just, it can be inspiring, but a lot of the time, like, I, I, I enjoy the pixel artists that I follow mm-hmm. and a bunch of the random pet accounts, but then Instagram also knows that, like, I'm a single man, so all of a sudden there's just beautiful women that pop up, and then um, there's a lot of Space Invaders stuff still, which I'm not as interested in anymore. Weird, so it hasn't filtered that out. This doesn't filter anything out, I feel like. I mean, like, not unless... filter, but, like, the algorithm is supposed to learn. I don't know that it learns. It just learns to saturate you with you know, opportunities to consume. Yeah. And then it's always like, would you like to follow this person? It's like, I'm not following this person? Why am I seeing this? But this is the classic thing there. But so some of the things we're also going to talk about, basically, I was going to say, Patty wants to know about your view on homeownership. So in France, so we're going to talk about homeownership in France, which is interesting because um, I dream of having an apartment someday that I can call my own and uh, or a chateau, as we've talked about before. Who knows? The kind of extremes there. Also going to talk a lot about um, the... (laughs) mini like teaser documentary version of the documentary I wanted to make and more about that because we've never talked about the secret project number one kill the swimmers at length or I've never really revealed anything about that until I re- released the video so this is going to be the first time we really dive into that 
Um, and then just banter, probably talking a little about Cooper, who I have hidden. He's in his kennel, um, but we decided to hide him because he's going to be a little bit too distracting all around. Huh, buddy? And uh, yeah. Mostly for me because I can't help myself. He's so cute. Um, but he also needs to take a nap. And whether or not he takes a nap while we're sitting here. He's going to chew on a bone. He's got chews in there. He's ready to chew chew it up. And um, yeah, just life and love and liberty and Paris in August and all the things. All the things. So welcome to season two of Garage Monologues, starting with a nonologue. A nonologue. What do you call what do you call a, a dialogue? That's what it's called. <laughs> what do you call a conversation between two people? What is a conversation called again? <laughs> I don't remember. So but let's but let's start though with that. It's curious because I was actually looking at so I go back and forth between wanting to get like an atelier somewhere in Paris or like a chateau way the heck outside of Paris or an apartment in Paris. Right. So my thought on a chateau is that it is so costly. It's like owning a boat on land. Yeah. To, to maintain yeah. and to fix up and to make sure, and to heat. You know, all these people who, who venture into these projects, I think, like, should put up warnings when they start, you know, invariably opening, like, starting a YouTube channel or yeah. having a podcast about it. Because, like, just think about the moment we're living in and the cost of electricity and heat. Yeah. You know, we're in a crisis, basically, and I don't. I can't even fathom what it costs them to maintain these properties. Yeah. And I, I say that having a, a small house outside of Paris that also is not, um, like it has a fuel tank. It's not the most efficient. And, yeah. you know, we can't yet afford to transition that into something more efficient. And as soon as... As soon as we do, if we were to stop using fuel tank, then it's like there's no going back, right? So, um, but we've seen the price of fuel basically skyrocket like this. Yep. And then it's starting to come down. But, I mean, a lot of houses in the French countryside or even s suburbs are on fuel. So, you know, you have to have this big-ass truck that comes and, you know, fills your fuel tank. And it smells like, you know, a bit like gasoline in your yep. in your garage. But... Whatever, this yeah, is the what way kind of fuel are they? Is it propane or is it? I guess. Okay. This is this is my ignorance speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, I just know, you know, we also have a septic tank because yep. our <clears throat> because in our village, there's a certain point, you know, a certain house after after which everything is on septic and it's not on city sewage. Yeah. And the question about you know when is that ever going to change? Is the city going to extend? You know, it's like a big question mark, and it could be 15 years from now. So, and that's that's true in a lot of places outside of cities in France. Yeah. So there are things to consider, right? A house is is certainly more manageable than a chateau, which, you know, conceivably has a lot that you'll have to repair. Yeah. In in a bigger sense too, to make it livable or at least, you know, safe to be yeah, in. Yeah. Not a hazard. Um, apartments too, because we've owned an apartment. Um. It has its own issues, and you deal with, you know, neighbors who don't want you to do anything. Uh, you can't change mm. things without approvals. Now, that's true in other cities. You know, New yeah. York City, if you have a, what do they call it, like a co-op, mm. you know, you have to get approvals to do anything sort of cosmetic or aesthetic that people might take offense to. Yeah. Right? Like, you can't just, like, build a balcony or something if it's not already there. But I think it's still possible for a lot of people with more modest means to own something in this country. Yeah. And, you know, what people are always astounded by is how much the government, not the government, but like, well, government and banks are not about to just like dole out loans. Yeah. Right? Like, that's why we had a housing crisis or, you know, there was the subprime housing crisis that, you know, obviously caused a whole... Overlending. Yeah. Yeah. All that over lending is just not what's done here. No. Well, it's just it's, like there are no credit. You know, you don't have credit card debt yeah. here because even with an American Express card, some people don't realize this. Yes, American Express exists here, but I had one for a time and then canceled it because the fees are ridiculous. But anyway, um, and you can put off your payments, you know, to the end of a month, but it still will come out of your account automatically yeah. out of your bank account to pay off that credit card bill at the end of a month. Like you have 30 days. You don't have, you can't just keep pushing off the payments and yeah. paying minimum installments or whatever. Yeah. Like that, that is not a thing. And so, and I'm sure in other parts of Europe, it's not a thing. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I actually don't know what the credit landscape is like across Europe. To bring people up to speed with that, like the French system only allows you to take out like what thirty percent of your overall income as a it's, debt repayment. It's a you can you can't go beyond thirty five or thirty six percent debt. You can't yeah. yeah your debt can't be more than thirty five percent of your gross monthly income. Right. right. So if you have um, if you have a you, you know my husband and I have uh, are are stable, uh, but when we were trying to get the loan for our house, mm -hmm. we were just over, like maybe we were 37% because yeah. we had we rent an apartment in Paris that's we're paying surely too much for. Yeah. And it sort of put us over the threshold. Mm. And because this is a time, this is COVID times still, yeah. and the banks have been very conservative because of that, um, they really didn't want to budge on it, even though this is the bank that we had our first loan with and everything, and there's history there. Yeah. But it can be tricky, so it it eventually worked. But like, you know, they don't want you to just be in a hole of debt that you can't ever get yourself out of. Yeah, which is understandable. Well, because it's like you know, what good is it going to do the economy ultimately yeah. if people can't? Yeah, that comes. Now, I'm I'm on board with that. Yeah. Now there are other problems in France, for example, like the whole movement to get people to buy diesel cars, and then they're like, oh wait. 25 years later, we now need to phase that out. Now right. you guys all should stop driving or get an electric car or a hybrid car. And it's like, okay, I'm barely making ends meet. Yeah. And for a lot of people who rely on their cars. And so there are other areas where things could have, be do could have been done better here. Sure. Like that sort of movement toward more ecological means of transportation. And everyone loves to cite how good public transit is here. But there are still... Uh, dead zones or areas where people are absolutely reliant on their cars yeah you know you you look at even even in the in the alps you know people who work in you know in a different village or whatever there's no like maybe there's a bus yeah but i mean like, you get far still... out yeah but there but nobody's trying to stop them from driving in the same way that you no, like but... paris is actively right however stop you from driving the you know, there is still a big push to get people off diesel cars. Yeah, right? which is understandable. So, I mean, all ultimately, that, and I guess it just, that is always going to be the question, right? Like you can't, you do have to push at some point. Otherwise, change won't happen on its own. Right. But it is, it's a hard balance to strike. And I think especially, it's interesting that like the gilets jaunes never came back, at least not in the big public way that they were before. Because those problems haven't gone away. And there's definitely a lot of people that are still really struggling to make ends meet. In France as globally. I wonder if it's because now there's a whole additional group of people who are struggling for different reasons, mm. whether it's because they, you know, they're first responders or whatever, and they're just completely burnt out. Yeah. Or they're, you know, they work in hospitals or, uh, or people who have lost their jobs. And, and so now you've got the yellow vest type mentality, but yeah. then you have a whole other set of the population who are struggling maybe for different reasons. And so if the yellow vest were to sort of pick things back up and also disrupt life when it's already hard enough now yeah. for extra people. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just occurred to me. Maybe that there's maybe that's like why. a... I never thought, I never found them to be quite that self-aware. Right, right. I mean, yeah. given that they, given that they, anytime that anybody actually seemed to write, like at the beginning, the, there was a very different movement than what got co-opted into what it became. Mm -hmm. And then what it became they ate their own like anytime anybody stood up to be like okay let's make some actual demands let's like move this forward they would just destroy them and so just kept it in this perpetual cycle of just unprogressive anger i guess like it wouldn't actually move forward nothing yeah. actually changed it just kind of like was a consistent part of our lives for so long maybe that... some of those people were also anti-vaxxers and are not doing well oh i don't know God. it's possible like well i don't know I, i'm just i'm just i think i wonder if they just lost the i wonder too how much you could stay motivated like how much it became just a ritual that like once the ritual was broken right because they didn't stand for anything anymore very much they just well, by the end it was on it was very nebulous yeah and i mean obviously they had their the go-to talking points but yeah they weren't actually trying to change anything by the end so anyway so you're saying that you should uh not buy a house that's fuel reliant necessarily look there's like we also only have one bathroom in a house that yep. is supposed to be you know fit a and no a central family. air no central air but actually we don't need it i mean if you're choosing the materials 
like, or you're choosing a house based on its materials, right. uh, it may be okay. Ours is a stone house that keeps that keeps it cool. Does it keep it cool now when yeah. you're out there? Oh, yeah, 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 it's not yeah, bad. yeah, yeah. The downstairs, the ground floor where you have the you know sort of majority of stone everywhere on the yeah. walls, it's much cooler. That's good. So we have a dehumidifier because the you know that's another problem. That is, is problem. Uh, the other thing people might not know, and and perhaps it has to do with the age of the house you're looking at, but the there's no foundation. The, the house is built into the soil. That's interesting. So if it's very damp... How is there no foundation? Like it's... I mean, foundation. There's clearly a foundation right. to the house. But I mean, there's no, like, basement, right? There's okay. no buffer between right. the soil ah. and and everything else. And so if if it's very damp or or just not even particularly damp, just, you know, after years and years of, of existing and rain and, yeah. and all that, it does get into the stone, right? And then, yeah. depending on what the sealant is between the stone, it's either breathable or not breathable. And so we have an issue where it's like, you'd have to, do the re you have to yeah. redo the whole house and all the sealant, which is not Just viable. Just rebuilding the house, yeah. That's not viable. So you try to sort of come up with these band-aids or these solutions yeah. because actually fixing and solving the problem in a big way is yeah. not that possible. So one thing you do is keep windows open as much as possible to let, to ventilate. Yeah, which I love doing anyways. Right. Although in the winter, a bit complicated. Yeah. Um, so we had to get a dehumidifier. But, you know, I have friends who, uh, one of my friends who lives in D.C. who uh, built a house. Yeah. Also has a dehumidifier in his basement. And it's a new build because it's just... That's, I feel like that's a thing here, though, too. Like, that's the classic, uh, especially Parisian, but even outside of that, um, like, basement smell, like the cave, you know? Like, there's just always that, that borderline moldy, mildewy yeah. smell yeah. everywhere, which is is actually sometimes kind of charming. Like, it's not, I don't hate it all the time. Depends on how strong it is and where yeah. you're at and what it's getting onto. But, yeah, that's that, that it's, a, it's a smell that I, that I almost associate more with, like, just Europe. It's not a smell that I ever ran into back home. Which maybe that's a West Coast thing because we're drier. Could be because in, in, in the house I grew up in on the East Coast. Did you have that smell? Yeah, there was a basement smell. Yeah? Not like, not not extreme because the house wasn't as old as the houses here. Sure. But, and also we would sometimes have flooding. Well, related smell too. I wonder, I've never thought about this, but maybe that, because you know like the the how churches have a smell? Yeah. But it's that wood, isn't it? Like it's a combination like, of incense and I wonder, wood. That's and... the thing. It's a, it's all of the. Yeah, I always thought it was like a specific wood smell. It's a church smell. But it is a church smell. <laughs> it's a very specific smell. And so, I, but I never thought maybe that's also partially like the moisture creeping up into the walls. Who knows? Yeah, the these are very good questions that I'm sure uh, someone has an architect an or a contractor. We just walk down to Notre Dame and start asking those guys, like, "Hey, while you're here, they're like, we can talk to you about lead." Yeah, I was gonna say deleadifying. I the don't place. know that we can talk to you about moisture. <laughs> yeah, what's this gonna? What's what is Notre Dame gonna smell like after this? That's gonna be interesting. Well, I'm I cannot wait to go back. They're I, saying it's on track for 2024, I which I think is like seriously ambitious but, but they're also pushing really hard like yeah, the you know who progress is? they made Mac Macron yeah that. He, it's, it's, he's it's like a for feather the Olympics. in his cap yeah it's a feather in his cap yeah but it's like I don't really know why that has to be a goal maybe the goal should have been getting the Grand Paris well, Express train that would have been from nice. the airport yeah. done in time for the nice. Olympics I'm not saying I'm not gonna say that his priorities are straight but that's also that's also is that that's a that's a that the difference is like I feel between those two. Now we're jumping into French politics, but the, I feel like the difference between those two is that the Grand Paris, that that line, the the metropolitan transportation system crosses like five different authorities. Yes, you're right. And like the, I agree. Like it's so frustrating that they can't get it done, but they also can't get anything like that done very quickly. And Notre Dame is like one solitary building project. You're, you're absolutely right. It's not the same jurisdiction. It's, it's an easy win. And it's also, it is it is a huge part of French heritage that like is like one of the most recognizable landmarks. So to have that open again when the world saw it burn for the Olympics is, I can see that being, that's a really nice symbolic France is back open, you know. I wager that it will be delayed. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very like, likely. They say all these things, they publish these, you know, yeah press releases and whatnot and it's but I, paul I, and i did a really fun so we i'm gonna put it in the unique experiences video that i'm making for paris in my pocket but we went and did a vr experience oh yeah in notre the, dame um, in la defense oh because they have it at the collège des bernardins ah, as well interesting a vr thing it was notre super dame. cool like because you have a huge room you get to walk through so you can see like 
you're, you can see people like ghosts kind of around you, but then it walks you through the building of the church and just the, the through the ages. It does a very quick like, yeah, the revolution happened and then moves on. Like, it's really <laughs> funny. Like if you know your French history and you know how badly they treated the church, they just kind of skip that part. Like literally it just goes to black and it's like revolution. You're like, oh, ching, ching, oh, like little battle sounds or whatever. And they're like, and moving on. And I was like, what? It would have been fascinating to see their depiction of how ruined the church was at the time because it was in a it was in an estate supposedly in a state it was in a state supposedly turned it into like stables and like you know that's famously why napoleon had to cover it for his coronation like they covered everything in cloth was because it was in such bad disrepair they didn't want the pope to see how badly they abused the church that's the rumor at least so when you go see the painting of him like being coronated and you see all the drapes was that in that book you had me get on napoleon it might have been that I still have not read. But yeah, it is, I think it might have been actually. Yeah, it is such an intimidating size. It is huge. That's why I'm, I'm glad I got it in ebook size because I never saw how big it was. Yeah, but on ebook you just it's true. It just says you have seven million hours you have, left. Yeah, exactly. To read you this. will die before you finish this book. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, cool. I still haven't finished it. I like. Oh, I'm, you have I'm like probably two thirds of the way through. Um, but it's really fun. It's a great book too because then you start to see like how so many where all the names of streets and stuff come from downtown. Where like Rivoli and all these were like, why would they name? It's like, so what's oh, the story about Rivoli? It's a battle here. that he won. So oh. it's Rivoli. I'm trying to remember the details of the battle itself. It was a messy. I have images in my head of it being a messy battle, like near a river, and there was an there's a scene in my head. This could be wrong though, because I might be thinking of a different battle where he literally ended up walking like onto the bridge under fire just to check things out and then back. And I this was during his Italian campaign, so it was very early on. But a lot of stuff they went back and, like, renamed after battles so, and so, so forth. So is that why it, it kind of sounds like it might be ravioli? Ravioli, exactly, yeah. I've had, I've had French... foreigners be like, do you know that street, that Rue ravioli? ravioli Street? I know, okay. Yeah, but there's, there's, an, there's not an A. It's actually a French mis, mis, uh, mistranslation in the end. It is the Battle of Ravioli. <laughs> They just did, misspelled it on the first street signs and couldn't couldn't go back on it. Um, no, that's that is it is a good book. I need to get back to it. There's another book that I have here that was recommended to me by a lawyer friend that is like all the modern history of France since 1870 is the title of the book. Um, Whoa! And it's a tome, and I need to get back try getting back into it. But I remember it just being super dry. And look at how fine that print is. That looks like textbook size. It is basically layout. a textbook. Um, oh. Wow, and we'll jump straight to World War II there. Okay, anyways. Oh. Yeah, little Cooper snores if you hear those in the Co- background. Cooper just had a deep, deep breathing. He's sick moment. of our. He's sick of our nonsense. Um, so yeah, housing bit of a. There's no right or wrong answer to you know. Which one? Which to which question? To like. Oh, what, should what? you or should you not buy property here? Obviously. The closer you are to a big, desirable yeah. city, the well, better the value. It's but... crazy because I was looking at, I, when I, every once in a while, I just get on to look around. Um, I don't torture myself too much with it, but occasionally I'd be like, and I saw, I went to a site and um, that had just kind of stats on, I think it was about mortgages and how it all works. And I'm familiar with most of it now, but they uh, were listing like the average price per square meter and obviously in Paris it's about 11,000 euros per square meter which is insane which is a lot so I don't know how much that would translate to per square foot but basically like my apartment is 13 square meters or about 140 square feet so 13 square meters in the 16th probably would cost you just a little bit over average or around average so we'll just say 11,000 so that's going to cost you what like 150 grand something like that yeah for 140 square feet. No, I know it's insane. It might be a little bit less here, but the, it's, the prices are definitely going up. The worst for me was seeing that in, you know, really unpolished or rundown, still not very developed areas of like the fringe neighborhoods, mm-hmm. like really far out, not particularly desirable in any sense of like there being a community feel. Right. Seeing 10 to 11,000 yeah. euros a, a meter square, and that's where I'm like, no, this is bananas. But yeah. Paris is always going up, it fluctuates. So, there were a couple months ago, I think, where it really was super high and it's starting to go down a bit. But, yeah. but it also means if you do want to invest 
in something like that, sooner it will than still later. Right, sooner <laughs> than later, but it will still pay off. Uh, now the problem is, is I'm never going to be able to catch up. That's the that's what it feels like is the problem. Well, but and then that's where you could say, well, maybe I own in a in a not so, a second tier city, but even in the countryside. Marseille, somewhere. though, that's what I was going to say. Average is just over two thousand per square meter. However, it's like a fifth the price. There's there are other issues in Marseille, which is why I have friends who were going to buy in Marseille, yeah. and then all sorts of shady stuff regarding you know the health of the building uh, contractors yeah but that happens here too yeah but there's like there's areas of montmartre i've been warned away from because there it's a, like the side of the hill that's over towards chateau rouge uh-huh. supposedly like the the foundations are built on stone that is like uh, unsafely wet or something Interesting. like yeah laura was telling me about it french laura she bought near uh, la marque and she was like, yeah, like that, there's a section of the hill there where the foundations are actually not good. Well, when you do go to put an offer in an apartment or a house. That'll be an exciting day. You get, <laughs> even if you're considering making an offer, yeah. the real estate agent will give you uh, the, what do we call that? Like it's, it's legally like, obligatory like to have sort of like an inspection document. Yeah. It's called a di- diagnostic. Yeah. And a diagnostic. Ha- Right. It's true. We do use that word in English. We do use it. It's true. Um, I got gotcha. but, but I think the closest homeowner word would be inspection. It's right. A like, home inspection. Yeah. Like a home inspection report. Yeah. And that's a legal requirement. And in it, they even have a geology ah. section where they look at the land and they look at, you know, probability of movement and this sort of thing. Yeah. So in an area like that, that would be indicated. Should be in there. Yeah. So if you were considering a place like that, then you could say, oh, warning, red flag. Yeah. There's all of this, you know, movement or, you know, soil issues. Uh, maybe I don't want to invest here. Right. Well, and that's, that's, that, that was what she picked up on. And I, I think that there was, I think if you live, like, she's lived in Walmart for like a decade. Mm. So I think you get to know these things just in talking to people anyways. But I, I definitely, I want to take the time at some point, I hope. So one of the projects that I want to jump into, and if you're listening to this after it's already launched, then you're definitely not a patron of mine, but my patrons will know ahead of time, uh, is the road to citizenship, right? Like I want to yes. do road tripping around France, learning what it means to be French, what from different regions, like what it, what it means to be Basque or what it means to be like from Marseille or whatever. And just asking people like, okay, what does it mean to be from here? What makes you proud? What skills should I learn? Or what should I learn to make? Or so cooking and uh, making wine or pastis or whatever, because there are different regions that have different versions of pastis. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't even like pastis, but I'm, I'm here to learn. So like going through that whole thing, I think it'd be really, really uh, fun. And um, this is kind of part of that, like that, that journey of like, okay, like, well, what, what should I know? What should I avoid? Where should I go? Mm-hmm. And in that process, one of the things that I want to do, even just personally, and probably just personally, but I do want to make a heat map in Paris of like where I would want to live. I already know different areas, obviously. Roughly, yeah. Yeah. Oh, very. Like, there's certain areas that I would definitely like love to be, um, but just to keep that dream alive too, because I do feel like sometimes it can feel a little bit daunting and overwhelming. Like, am I ever gonna find a place? Am I ever gonna actually make this work? Um, and a lot of that just comes down to me stopping uh, taking all of my money and putting it towards risky projects that like never go anywhere, and maybe I should just keep some of it for myself. Uh, but, you know. Hey, those... you said it. I didn't. <laughs> I'm learning uh, slowly but surely. But then my new accountant uh, pulled out like 1500 bucks from my account today. Uh, I got to ask them about that. But I think that's just like half the fee for the year. Oh, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. So it's not bad. They but... just don't give you a warning. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're just like, wait, what? I just Where saw, did that go? I saw a thing saying, hey, uh, this company just uh, pinged your direct debit. Like you can reject that if you don't want it. I was like, oh no, that, that's okay. And then the next day I was like, what? They took how much money away from me? But uh, that's life. Um, we're going to talk about, um, we should talk about the swimmers. We can talk about the swimmers. But I'm going to, I'm going to pause and start the camera again really quick because otherwise it's going to die on its own and ah. we just won't even catch it. So take this as like, if you're, if you're a patron, you're not going to get an ad break here. But if you're not a patron, you should go become one so you don't get an ad break here. But thanks to whoever paid for the ad break. I really appreciate it. Why was it not? It, it stops at 30 minutes oh. automatically. This I need a new I've needed a new camera for years. Bless Excuse you. Me. But then my accountant keeps taking the money that I would otherwise right. spend on so, camera. So like yeah. here we are. Um, yeah. So then I just have, if we don't pay attention to that, then there'll just be a big gap where there's no video. 
And I did, I had a second camera running before, but it just adds so much complexity. So it's like, I'll just keep it simple. Keep it simple. People are here just to see you. And, you know. I'm pretty sure they're here first and foremost for you. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) But, you know, they're definitely here to see you too. Um, You were, you've been, because Lindsay's been aware. Were you aware of the the swimmers video from the very beginning. When did I clue you into that? No sponsor for this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by my patrons. Patreon, if you're unaware, is a a platform, a membership platform where you get some extra perks and behind the scenes benefits to my vlog, to my podcast. On the podcast side, it means you get my podcast episodes as they drop a full five to six months in advance of the public feed, which is pretty cool. But then there are a bunch of other perks as well, including early releases of my videos, credits, loyalty stickers, postcards, all kinds of stuff. If you'd like to support my channel, my YouTubing, my podcasting, the most direct way you can do so is through patreon.com slash jswanson. It really means so much. So thank you so much for supporting my channel, for listening to my show at all. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode chatting with Lindsay Chmuda. Because Lindsay's been aware. Were you aware of the the swimmers video from the very beginning? When did I clue Um, you into that? It's pretty early on. It was in... I don't know, maybe... Summer of 2020? No, definitely not. No? No, 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 okay. no, no. I was a later... Comer? I think probably a year ago, you told me. Okay, so like last summer. Yeah. Did I tell you... I feel like I told you sitting out in the in a in a square and said joined after I said oh, it's yes. my husband. Yes, you told me... Yes, it was last summer then because you told me we were sitting outside at Les Petites Indécises. Yep. And then... Said was coming back from rock climbing, yeah, and he joined us for a beer, and then you gave a sort of shortened version of this, and I had just gone through my whole, what now? Yeah, <laughs> you what? <laughs> uh, and then he was just, you know, he's more of a listener anyway, and yeah. so I think he was like, wait, is this is this for real? Uh, but it's very easy to sort of impress him, impress oh, him, wow. not in the sense wow, of like, okay. <laughs> no, 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 I mean in the sense that like. No one he knows would ever do anything like that. Uh, Whereas I think I know people, more people with sort of like kooky projects and, yeah. and yeah, I think he's just more, you know, he's got a, a, a network that's more straight and narrow and, yeah. you know, like you don't do these sorts of ambitious yeah, well, things. To be fair, even within my circle, I don't know anybody else that's really going to do well, I mean, I it's it, it's kooky in the sense that it's unexpected, but it's yep. not kooky as in like, why the hell? Why? Yeah, yeah, it's more like, oh, this is already this already once. I mean, people who know you would know that this is already something that you were curious about. Yeah, and I think when you have curiosity for something, you can't sort of stop it at just being a topic of conversation. You need to sort I of see where yeah. it goes. So. I wasn't entirely surprised. I just think I didn't even know that that was, I didn't know the backstory, so I didn't know it was a thing that had been of interest to you. Had been brewing. Had been brewing or... Percolating. Percolating or stewing or (laughs) stewing. Over time. There's a lot. See, this is the thing. We missed out on so many good puns and jokes in a longer format of the video. Kind of, that's okay. Look... If you wanted to make it a, a, an investigative documentary for HBO, I mean, maybe it would be 10 years from now because... I know. That's the thing. Well, that's why I ended up doing it. I think... So, some backstory because I think... I gave the backstory of why I did it. But, like, I when I started doing this originally, I was originally much more motivated by the fact that there's just no solution. And it kind of... I Both I want to... I feel... There's so many feelings actually, like about feeling like wanting my to take responsibility, but also being kind of scared of the possibilities without, I mean, you feel powerless ultimately. Like there's nothing you can do about it beyond a couple of things that, again, like if a condom breaks, that's the end of the, that's the end of the road for you as a man. Like you, like it's out of your hands. Hopefully you're with somebody who can talk about it and whatever else, but like you just kind of have to wait and see. Um, and then, you know, just on the, the other side of it where it's like you do see, I think what's fascinating about it is how ignorant we are to so much of this, especially as men, we don't know. But there are so many women that are also very unaware of like the options that are out there or that have ever really thought through the possibility that like this medicine that I am taking or these hormones I'm putting in my body might be screwing with me in a way that like... I think most women know, but we don't have an, op- we don't have an alternative. Yeah. It's either, you know, and that's why in some very backward schools, they say, well, well, abstinence. Yeah. It's like, okay, that's clearly not a safe 
way to inform people. Like it's, that's not going to help them yeah, on long term. Not likely. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think also men have been sort of told this is just how it works. So yeah. there's not even the interest yeah. to try to solve the problem. Well, I think that's the main thing, right, is it's the status quo. It's just the way it is. And so men and women really don't question it that much. I think that's changing. I think that generationally it's really changing. I took some polls on Instagram and I was, I mean, I think it was mostly men that responded, but it was interesting to see how many men had thought about it, where I think a decade ago, hardly any would have really thought about this question. So I think that's also, so it's the timing thing in that sense too, where I think with everything going on back in the States politically um, and then seeing uh, Johnny Harris's video come out about it and him asking the same question and then everybody kind of, I feel like everybody's missing it and I don't know if that's just because everybody's aware of it and just no, nobody thinks it's going to work or if just nobody's aware of it or what the deal is. So I kind of want to just like, okay, well, let's... Well, I can tell you that already I did a story recently on an AI fueled tool to help women athletes or just sporty women optimize their performance yeah. and it was based on the insight um the founder based it off the insight that there's a huge health gap and something like what like 20 something percent of all clinical studies are mm. even done on women yeah so we keep applying insights about men's health yep. to women and and so that tells you something, which is that there's not the same uh, focus, yeah. interest, attention, concern, whatever, yeah. on fixing this problem. Because it's like women have just shouldered the burden of this for so long. Well, it's, like you said, status quo. But I think it ties into the serious problems we have in health overall. Yeah, um, It's why women are constantly you know, uh, their pain is ignored or yeah. undervalued. Uh, it takes so much work to con convince them to advocate for themselves when doctors are like, you're just depressed, you're hormones, you're this, you're that. Oh, you know, and it's like, specifically when it comes to that, the disorder, I guess it's, is it a disease or an affliction? I don't know how to call it, but like endometriosis, which mm -hmm. is notoriously difficult to diagnose. And part of that is because people have been, you know, just brushing off women's pain for so long. And when you have male doctors who do that, because they're themselves not going through these, you know, hormonal changes every month and the, and the menstrual cycles and don't have this within them, they're sort of, they, they can't speak from any sense of personal uh, experience. Right, they can't relate to it. They can't relate to it, but you're still a medical professional and should be listening when conceivably some extraordinary number of women report having extreme pain yeah. and like living most of the month in terrible pain. I mean, yeah. it's just like, so for me, it kind of goes back to that, that there's a, uh, there's this huge health gap. Women are not, you know, there's, there's a lack of funding also in, 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 in this area. So it's, I mean, it's incredibly convoluted. No, it's not convoluted. It's, um, it's, interwoven i don't know there's like there's an element of it where it's like it just it does feel i guess it feels i don't know how you manage not to feel disheartened by it i guess to some degree well i think for a long time i mean up until i don't know like five years ago five six years ago mm. i don't think i ever fully you're sort of going through life yeah and you know there are these problems but until people start really writing heavily about it or talking about right. it more and so if there's any sort of stigma or shame around talking about miscarriage or endometriosis or all of these other things, then you don't really think about it. You don't right. question it. You might go, you know, come home from a doctor's appointment and say like, oh, they were really like, I don't feel listened to, but you yeah. don't necessarily associate it as being part of some bigger right. systemic issue. You um, can't because you can't see the whole system, right? No, Until but now talk about it. Yeah. there's been so, there's, there's a wealth of information and stories about this. Yeah. And it's kind of like with me too. Mm. Right. That whole movement. I didn't necessarily question some of the things that happened to me as a teen or not, you know, or in college years as being inappropriate or inappropriate behavior for men. And then all of a sudden you look back on what you went through and you're like, uh, oh, yeah. so you have a new lens to look at what you're yeah. going through. And I think that's you can apply that to so many different things, including reproductive health. Yeah. Yeah. And and contraception being part of that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh it's eye-opening because I also recognize the difference in 
it's so important. This is where like I've seen with like my mom's health or with other people in my life, the need for advocacy, whether it's self-advocacy or someone else going along with them. Because as a guy that, yeah, my, I haven't, I've been lucky enough not to need to go to the uh, doctor for much in my life, to be honest. But when I have, I do have an expectation of like, oh, this is what I need. They do it. And they're like, okay. And then they do it. And that's it you know, and that's a much different experience. And I think that also, it goes back to that, the being able to relate to other people's experiences. If your experience has only ever been that, then you also have to, you have to really introduce men to a lot. The kind of like you're saying, like a breadth of stories yeah. and a lot of, a lot of people coming and saying like, no, this is, this is real. This is the way it is for us to even get men to then be on board and be open-minded to the idea that oh wow there is a problem here which is why what you did is very important and that it's out there because there aren't enough men who care enough to even write anything yeah i mean it's like sometimes you'd think it's so taxing to even tweet for some yeah. of these people like you know and and maybe with the the abortion stuff and and recent events uh, this summer, you know, I've seen at least on Twitter among the very progressive people I'm following. But, you know, there are, you know, for every one man who's willing to, you know, comment publicly on how this is unfair, I want to try to do better, I want to learn more, there are thousands who are just like, yep, whatever. Yep. You know, and, and, and you see the level of misinformation or misunderstanding even when it came to the uh, baby formula shortage yeah. in the u.s or remember like men are, some men including like republican mostly republican <laughs> uh leaders or or senators or whatever representatives yeah. saying like uh why aren't you just breastfeeding it's like okay well clearly you don't yeah. even know the the multitude of reasons why that could be complicated yeah. infringe upon daily life make everything impossible for people i mean yeah. already women are like how am i supposed to do all this yeah and now you want to say, like, oh, we have a built-in source. Like, just do that. It's like, okay, well, maybe yeah. you're, you're looking at it as black and white and there's, like... There's a reason this is a crisis, yeah. Right. So all that to say, the again, I mean, this is why when women say, men and women say we live in a patriarchal society, it's for these reasons. Yeah. We are an afterthought, even though we're over half the global population. Yeah. So. Well, it's... Yeah, there's a very. It does feel very strongly like uh, women are second-class citizens in practicality, like even if not legally anymore. And it's not even that long ago that the laws changed, right? Like, and yeah, we're talking about a very short span of time. Yeah. Um, but as my, you know, I have a friend who uh, loves dinosaurs. I know there's a there's a Perfect. link here, by uh, the way. <laughs> hey, dinosaurs are always welcome. I love them too, but he he was like. You know, I was like, why do you like them so much? And he's like, well, think about how long they lived and roamed the earth. Yeah. Like the Jurassic period covered millions of years. Tens of millions, yeah. Tens of millions of years. And, and we are just a blip. Yeah. And so to think, you know, that book you also told me to read, which I've read, I'm reading, almost finished, 4,000 4, weeks. weeks. Yeah. I mean, one of the things he highlights is that... Um, there's incremental change and because we're so young and because we often can't see the big picture we think things aren't moving yeah um so yeah the the laws for women are still very recent and we expect there to be i don't know like radical change where everything is suddenly perfectly equal but i think in the in the span of the universe yeah but it's just that it should have been this way from the start yeah you would think so Anyway, I don't know. I think that got off. I think I was also confusing a couple of books. I think I was also confusing. Rebecca Solnit wrote, um, someone recommended that I read this because I was feeling a month ago, or just before vacation, I was feeling super grim, mm -hmm. as I think you know, mm -hmm. where I was just like, the world's ending, monkeypox is going to get us all, like, you know, yep. that whole yep. spiraling I was, I was doing. Yep. You were there for that. Um, <laughs> and, my, and this woman was like, read, um, oh God, it is Hope in the Dark. Mm. And I don't, I don't find Rebecca Solnit always that easy to read or, you know, like wonderfully enjoyable, but she yeah. had very good arguments in this book. And it's not new, but it pertains, mm. it was more written after, uh, I think, around the 2016 election. Mm. 
But essentially what she's saying is a similar point, which is that we are so young and you often can't see the little things that are actually changing. You, mm. you, you know, you expect there to be some seminal moment where everything after that, where you, or sort of where you can clearly delineate a before and after. And, you know, it's these micro movements and micro actions that turn into lasting change, yeah. but it's not because everything is a hellscape that there isn't still, there aren't still things happening that are going to, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're going to look back on and say, okay, that was actually a very important mm. act or thought or, you know, commentary that did change things. Yeah. Which is helpful. So what, back to, it's a good back shift, to your... It's a good perspective shift, right? Like... Right. Well, and I think it's important to know that, you know, the, the, the all despair all the time, yeah. at least in, in narrative, is not going to help us overcome this. No. I struggle with finding the hope. Yeah. But she also writes about how to find those moments and and to try to re reframe your mind into thinking about how look at the civil rights period, look yeah. at uh women's suffrage. Like you take these 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 periods and you go back and you look at how many years we're talking about and and some of the individual actions that fostered the change right and you know yeah this isn't the first time things have been grim but back to back to your documentary it's important and this is why i often fight to have men involved in the conversation even about my book on the parisienne because i'm like if this is per portrayed as only being a women's issue mm -hmm. We're never going to change. Yeah. We're never going to move forward. Well, that's the, I just finished uh, Grayson Perry's book, The Descent of Man, which wasn't like anything particularly new, although he has a very interesting perspective. Um, if you're familiar with him at all, mm -hmm. artist from the UK. And um, he wrote a book just on his take on um, kind of like where masculinity is and why we need to change it, why we need to open it up to a plethora of definitions and the ways that people look at it. And um, and, it, and it was good, but he makes the same argument, I think, uh Laura Bates and uh, Liz Plank and a number of others make the same argument, which is that like not only do you need men on board, but like we just need men to understand how much they have to benefit from this. Totally. Like if you, I think that it has unfortunately been cast for a long time as a women's issue where it's like, you know, women's rights or whether that's your health or like legal rights, civil rights, all these things like we've cast them as like women's rights, which they are, and like women's issues as though it was the thing to do because it's the right thing to do, which is right. But we would be probably better served if we cast it in a selfish light for men to say, like, look at how much better it'll make your life. Like, look at how many opportunities it'll open up for you. Look at how much more joy will be brought into the world. Look at how all these things to help men see, like, all this is true, what we've been saying over here, and it is important to do for women's if we just even care about women we should be doing it or humans yeah or humans in general but like look men like you also have so much to gain from this and look at how much you're losing by not um i think for me that's been one of the things that's also been eye-opening is just seeing how much all these things we've talked about it before the documentary female pleasure mm -hmm. um and it documents a bunch of different women's experience around the world basically just being oppressed in different ways um for being women or expressing themselves and one of the things that really stood out to me more than anything, and that still stands out to me, um, but I think it was the first time it really, really hit me square in the face, was that at the core of all of this, um, we're just robbing the world of so much joy. Like there's so many beautifully creative and wonderful, and there's so much laughter that's just robbed mm -hmm. from the world and removed. And like just at that level, when you see it, I think in that way, how can how could that not be motivating to try and do something about it? Well, and also just the interpersonal dynamics that would be radically improved Yeah. between women and women, men and women, men and men, if everyone was just taken better taken care of. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, men and men, I think that's the thing is it's like you have a bunch of men standing around trying to be kind of tough and Well, and that's whatever, a whole and... other thing, like how we've raised men. Yeah. And... But that's kind of the point, right? Like for that side of bringing men into it is the way you bring them into it is by helping them to see there's a way out of what they're trapped in. Because I think I don't think men realize how trapped they are. You have to wear a suit and you can't show emotions or have them unless you're just being angry. And 
like on and on and on. And I think there are a lot of men that, that's why Grayson Perry is so interesting because he's a practicing transvestite and he loves dressing up as women, ah. going out into public. Um, and he has always loved that. That's just been his thing. He's married to a woman. I think he has kids. Like he's kind of on the one hand got the nuclear family going, but then his thing is dressing up like women and getting attention for that. And it makes it a very interesting take on things, but also he's just saying like, there are so many men out there who just don't know that this is even an option for them. And there's so much shame piled on them for that. And that goes for so many things, like um, whether that's taking care of kids or, you know, like the all the different avenues that we've made for women now that weren't before. Like we just have gone back and forth. High heels were made for men originally. Boys wore pink back in the early 20th century and girls wore blue. All the things that we have. For sure, it's like, arbitrary. For, it's just completely made up and we just use it to kind of shove our, each other into these little boxes. And if we could just open those boxes up and, and just say, hey, like be who you are and true to yourself, you would just live a happier, healthier life. And that that in and of itself is, I think, not a bad way of framing the debate to be like cool now that we're there and we want to be that way then naturally we should but how do you take people out of this indoctrinated state right that's the question how do you unplug them from the matrix so it's, to speak? it's 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 also like uh religious devotion unquestioning yeah religious devotion or it people is. who get wrapped up into cults like it's like any of these things where you need to be at least open yeah to questioning it's the way hard. we've been brought up. I mean, it's it's painful. Yeah. But like we can get to a better place. Well, I think you just have to have, have it's kind of like you're talking about like part of it is I do not have an answer for this, but I believe that part of it is uh, opening up space like this to talk about it so people can just even hear the ideas maybe for the first time or expound upon them. That's why you read these books or whatever else. But then um, I think it's just I, a lot of it is patience and I know for me, the way that I was raised and the world that I grew up in, like getting out of the those mentalities just took time. And I think part of it was that I, I did believe in compassion and I did believe in so many things that would eventually lead me out of it naturally because I didn't buy into so much of what I was seeing, despite the fact that I did. But I think what makes it so hard, even in that instance, and what you're talking about with like cults and all these other things too, is is identity. And like, if it's wrapped up in your identity and who right. you think you are, right. it becomes inherently threatening to hear any other idea because anything that might invalidate that idea invalidates your identity the way that you see it. Right. Um, and then that that's where we get like this tribal, this deep tribal fight that is being, the, fan, the flames are being fanned very actively right now by the media landscape just because it's profitable um, among, I guess, so many other reasons, but... I don't know if we could just, part of it is just being open to conversations. This is why I try to be open, like when, whether people, you know, that are younger or that aren't so far along the same journey I had, I try to be patient and like have these conversations as painful as they can be sometimes. Yeah. But it's just because like people were patient with me. Right. Along the way. But you're also someone who's been willing to do the reading as you, as we say, you sure. know, like you picked up books to challenge, you know, what you think you know about certain aspects of life and what it's like for women and this and that and I mean like that's the kind of thing we need more of and and the fact that you have a platform a public platform is how this helps like that's why we need more men with platforms to do to help this along because if it's only people who like yes you have to do it in your own circles but how are people also going to be inspired to do that yeah. to start doing that more people you know who are willing think, to be like yeah, yeah I believe that X, Y, and Z and the way we've been told women should be treated is like horrific and wrong yeah. and here's what I'm trying to do about it as a man. Yeah. I think it's part of it. I think that's why like, even though like the video doesn't match with my channel very well right now, it does, I think for my OG viewers, I think that they, it's not a huge surprise because my I have so many vlogs about just random stuff in life. For newer viewers, it might be a little bit shocking if they just think I do Paris stuff. Um, but that's also where it's, I do want to find, I felt like it was really important just to talk about it because I feel like, mm -hmm. sure, it's cool to do this thing and have this experiment, but if you're not open about it, then the benefit is, is yeah, is limited. And the hope is that, yeah, it does become that thing where you find ways of just talking about it with other guys. I think, I think ultimately that's part of it too, is like being able and willing to talk about it with my own guy friends, any men out there that are wanting to figure out what to do. You just have to have the conversations, be willing to speak up when you hear things that are 
inappropriate. Um, obviously, don't go so far as to become like, you don't want to police your friends. But I think there are times where it's just the willingness to be like, eh, eh. Or just to, just to stop laughing at certain things is also I mean, big. I mean, it can start small in that way, yeah. yeah. So whatever it is, I don't, I don't have an answer for the big picture. But I think when we talk about like also wanting to reframe this stuff to like the perspective of what can I do, I've struggled with this a lot, as you know, because um, we talk about this all the time. But like, I used to think that I had to save the world, basically, in a way, right? Because that was just we're part of this redemption of the planet kind of a thing, and it was very self-sacrificing and martyry and not healthy. And now I recognize, no, it's okay to have a good life. And I should be trying to have a good life. I'm starting late to that party, so we'll see if I catch up. But the other side of that is the impact you can have is local. It's with your friends. It's with your family. It's with the people you actually come into contact with. Um, fortunately, I do recognize that some of what I make uh, professionally can have that impact on people as well from afar. I think that the parasocial side of that always will make it a little bit weird. And like we have to be careful of that because it can do harm as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's not... All, not Social media stuff's not uh, an either-or thing. But that's my goal then. It's like, okay, well, how do I narrow my focus down and just try to have a positive impact on the mm -hmm. people in my life? Um, and, and if I can have a net positive impact and pull, pull people up around me just a notch, you know, then that's at least a, posit a net positive impact. And I don't have to hold myself to some cosmic standard of, no. you know, saving the universe. As no, and I think that's why some people are... Um, paralyzed into inaction yep. because they feel like, well, how am I going to move the dial in any way, in any yep. significant way? It's like, well, if your goal is to try to change an entire state or country, yeah, that's really complicated. Yep. Start with your little nugget of your circle of people. Yeah. Well, this goes back to as well. I was just going to quote Smoochie the Rhino. You can't, you can't change the world, but you can make a dent. Um, <laughs> Edward Norton, but. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, <laughs> I think that's, it is that thing where it's like, if, if everybody around us, everybody, if the, if the majority of people in the world were just trying to raise their own little community up one notch, like the whole, the whole world would change. And I think that that sounds patronizing, especially when it feels like you're alone and maybe you're the only person in your circle that's trying to do good or whatever it is. Like, are you just isolated as we've been for the last few years? But I, I'm coming back to that because I do see that. I do see the positive changes that I am having in my friend circles and in a variety of ways that I feel like I've been able to, whether or not, uh, it's definitely not all because of me, right? But like you can kind of see avenues like, oh, I, I can see where I had an impact here. Um, and I think maybe just focusing in on, yeah, how do I make myself the best person that I can be, the happiest and healthiest I can be? Then how do I do that? to whatever impact I can have to the people around me. Right, because you need to be someone who's energized and, and mentally <laughs> Which I clearly healthy. have not been lately. But, no, no, yeah. no, but, you know, overall, yeah, it's why they say, like, activists who just run themselves into the ground are yeah. not going to be useful yeah. to a fight, right? You need to sometimes take a step back and rest yep. and take care of yourself and then go back in. And yeah. it's a similar thing if you're going to try to be someone who has convictions and, and hopefully inspire your, your friend circle indirectly, you know, sort of organically. But if you're not taking care of yourself, then that's not likely to happen either. No. Um, but no, I mean, I, 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 I think that in any case, we should be aligning ourselves with, with friends who do try to make us become better. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I've also been, that's been one of the harder lessons learned recently, but it has been because I know too many people and so like for me, me narrowing that down to be like okay here are the few people that I really want to make sure I'm spending time with and a lot of that is determined based on like how well do we get on how good are we for each other um do you and, feel energized and inspired yeah. and stimulated and well that's why you're one of my closest friends is because we just get along so well and no always... and we have conversations that honestly like yeah, some of the people who are like, oh, we should get another coffee. We haven't seen each other in ages. I'm like, okay, the, we're not going to have this. Yeah. And this is actually something that I feel I need in my life. Yeah. So. You prioritize it. Yeah. And, but, and it's hard. It's hard for hard. people. We yeah. live in a city. We run into people all the time. We're, we are on the internet. So people yeah. also sometimes believe they know us in a way yeah. that they don't. Um, and, and people also just think like there's some endless... Uh, bandwidth for having human connection and I think you and I all probably come across to people as being very extroverted but I think we're introvert extroverts yeah. 
And so we get very exhausted too. And so it's not always that we're being difficult or we don't want to see people, but we also need to know where our energy can be best spent so that we're not constantly needing naps to get over, you know, things that are supposed to be fulfilling. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it is hard. And I think, you know, there are other things that complicate that when you have friends who end up having kids and Mm -hmm. you don't see them as much. And, you know, so you start trying to figure out, okay, what's important in my life? How can those people still be part of my life and give me things that I need? And also get, how can I get things from other individuals that I'm not getting in other places. Like we're all, you know, you're supposed to be fulfilled by a, a, a unit, a family, a tribe, not yeah. one person. Yeah. Which isn't the magic story we were sold as kids, but that's okay. Oh, no, I know. <laughs> There's Woo! so much so much unpacking. Did he fart? That's our You're getting it. <laughs> I'm protected because this side has blankets. So it's <gasps> coming. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, at one point, I was like... Coming oh, out your way. I didn't I don't think, smell it. I think great. I need to say something. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up, I suppose. The uh, Don't forget to buy uh, Lindsay's book, The New Parisienne, or The New Paris. You can get both. Uh, close your eyes, Lindsay. It's focusing on you. Oh, we got to... Cl- hold on. Cover your face. Now it'll focus on the book. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> there you go. Definitely confusing for anybody listening and not watching this. Uh, you can find her at Lindsay Tremuda on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. And LindsayTremuda.com. Yep. And the new Paris podcast, yep. which I have to record again uh, Back to soon, it. soon, soon. Um, but yeah, no, there's always a way to find me. Always a way. That sounds terrifying. Sorry, always that was not me. the way I it's wanted to end this. Always a way to find me. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks as well. I was gonna say. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you. And I also had a patron producer lined up here. I just liked my own post because that, that's how, that was an accident. I was gonna go with Curtis Bramford. Thanks for being our patient producer of the day. Thanks, Curtis. Uh, for this podcast, and thanks to whoever ends up sponsoring it as well, I guess. We'll find out. Patrons won't have... Nobody will know for six months. We'll find out in six oh, months. Oh, six months? Yeah, because basically the way this works is this season's only... this Patrons get this live, so this is going to go up this week in the next couple of days for my patrons, but then this whole season gets held back until the next season starts. Right, okay. So season one is going public as this one goes live got it and know there's always going to be a delay it's like six month delay i think for people that uh, aren't on the ball well good thing everything we talked about is timely uh timeless sorry not everything but yeah a lot of most most of it, of it, is, most timeless. Of it is timeless yeah. yeah but we'll get some more timely stuff in there next week or in two weeks with the actual monologue i think i will go in a bit of a deep dive like the behind the scenes some answer some questions like what do i what do we make coffee with the same kettle all kinds of questions from the swimmers video Oh, and, I was uh, like, what are you talking, what are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll get into that a little bit more. If you have questions about that, obviously leave them below uh, on the Patreon post for this. And we'll see you again in a couple weeks. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>